0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and we like to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is Erin Twanley. Erin, thank you for being here all the way from Germany. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to speaking with you today. I'm super excited to learn more about you and what you do, so tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: My name is Erin Twomley, and I am a business owner of Erin EDU, which is an education consulting company that strives to cultivate curiosity and get kids asking questions about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And I primarily do that through writing nonfiction children's books, as well as visiting elementary schools from South Korea to across Europe and even in the United States.
0: Wow, I don't think I've ever had a guest on who has such a global reach and what a great cause. Your life's passion is very moving, Um, that's incredible. So what made you do this, Erin?
1: So I started writing nonfiction children's books about five years ago in 2015. I was actually working with teachers at Department of Energy and helping teachers think about renewable energy and how to teach about energy in the classroom. Um, I wrote the first book called Climate Change, Discover How It Impacts Spaceship Earth with a co-author, Joshua Snyderman, as a way to reach out to kids directly instead of just working with teachers, figuring out how can we um, get kids excited and talk directly to kids. And so that started my writing journey. And since then, I've gotten a master's in international teaching. And um, my career has um, allowed me to be mobile and move across the world. So my family and I actually, we've lived in South Korea for three years where I've written books. And then currently we're in Germany and primarily in Germany and um, Italy and Belgium. I work with military students so i work with our department of defense education activity schools
0: wow so i come from a military family my husband is a retired um, navy captain a nuclear submariner we think what you do is amazing the military schools um they're sort of a a more global they need to have a global open-mindedness if you will these students because they do travel across the globe um, in 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 tours of duty and so forth this is just incredible i'm thinking of all the wonderful people i should connect you with
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it and you know you mentioned the military community and i always love to do a shout out um, because our military community are actually some of the greatest stem superheroes i like to call them people who work in science technology engineering and mathematics In fact, it was our US Armed Forces that invented duct tape, for example. Um, It was our US Armed Forces who invented the um, cotton white undershirt as a way to keep body heat and stay cool under military uniforms. So some of the greatest inventions that we use just every day, we don't even um, recognize, but they come from our military community. So one of my passions when I get to visit and work with our military students and communities is just sharing all the awesome things that are happening within that community. And I will tell you that when you ask kids, you know, if they know a scientist or if they know a mathematician or if they know an engineer, most kids in a military community might have a parent or a caregiver or um, a mom and dad of their friends. Um, who is working in science, technology, engineering, or math.
0: Yes. So my husband was stationed at Pacific Command, and we still have a lot of friends in Hawaii uh, who would love what you do. Um, There's so much happening in my head right now. I'm so excited to introduce you to my universe and to host this recording with you today. So tell me a little bit about your proudest professional accomplishments.
1: So, I think my proudest professional accomplishment um, was one of the latest books that I just published actually last year in 2019. It's called Everyday Superheroes, Women in STEM Careers, and as I mentioned, I write nonfiction books. And this book um, was an attempt to share who the current superheroes are of today. So often when we ask kids about scientists and mathematicians or engineers, they name, name women of the past, right? They name some women that you might know, Marie Curie. They might name Katherine Johnson. They might name Sally Ride, right? Women that we've all, you know, are trailblazers. But I really wanted to know who are the current women that are making the world a greener, healthier, um, better place? And so I spent nearly two years with my co-author, Joshua Snyderman, researching 26 women who are alive and working in STEM today, and they all are women of color and women of different abilities and women of different education backgrounds who are working to make the world a better place by solving some of our biggest challenges and problems.
0: Erin, I would love to host each and every one of them as a guest on my podcast. Um, They are remarkable and we do search for, we are often in search of everyday superheroes, people that are doing remarkable things today. But sadly, some reason we just don't honor those people until posthumously. And I would like to shine a light on them today, like you did. Yes. Yes, that would
1: be fantastic. I have some amazing women. I have um, Sonia Carey. She's the animator who created the first African-American Disney princess, Tiana from The Princess and the Frog. Um, I have Sonia Lowe. She's a vertical farmer who's right now creating the world's largest vertical farm, which is an indoor farm that uses less water, no soil, and no sunlight to grow food.
0: Wow. So there's
1: really awesome women and um, solutions to some of our biggest problems, like how do we feed a growing population or how can we grow food in Dubai, for example, right? Which is typically a very hot and arid climate and we're using indoor farming so that we can have food travel less miles, for example. So there love- are some really awesome people.
0: Yeah, I would love for Disney to do movies about those women.
1: Yes, I think, you know, that is always something that is on our mind is how can we um, share real women and real careers. And there's an entire kind of movement around the Disney princesses in particular, where some different illustrators have created the princesses as different types of engineers or as different types of earth scientists. So Ariel has been depicted as an oceanographer, for example, studying oh, the nice. ocean, right? Or you could see um, Mulan, who is um, a paleontologist, so digging up fossils and ancient civilizations. Um, so there's a lot of different ways in which um, I think people who are familiar with Disney have tried to use use those relevant characters, um, which is Um, a great point because we with stem and tv and media we are introduced to so much of it um, but we don't understand all the inner workings and the relativism
0: i have contacts at disney i'm going to send them this recording and your blog once i write it and make certain that there's some kind of connection because these women deserve the light to be shown on them these These young girls and boys need to learn about women who are current day superheroes and how they impact our lives. So I'm all about giving a voice to these people. Um, Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. Uh, Well, let me ask you, you inspire me. I'll say that for sure. Who inspires you?
1: That's a really good question. Um, One of actually my favorite superheroes who's in this book, her name, name is um, Betty Reed Soskin. And she is actually a um, national park ranger. And she's one of the oldest park rangers. She's actually 96 years old, and um, working as a park ranger in our national park. Wow. Um, and so she's somebody that you can say is not only passionate about what she does, but, you know, she serves our country and shares her knowledge with kids. Um, she's somebody that through kind of my work of looking at trailblazers um, to today's folks, um, that it gives me hope that there are people out there who are committed and passionate and want to share their learning to make um, the world a better place
0: amazing amazing um i have a friend in oakland who hosts uh she she owns her own business and she teaches young girls uh business how to you know uh workflow and chain supply management how to create produce manufacture then sell market products and services and they do pop-up shops all across the country like this is this is she's been on magazines I think that you and she need to put your heads together on something um, remarkable because what you already do is so remarkable. Together, you could totally change the world for young girls. Um, I know I didn't have any female superheroes when I was young. And now that I'm older and doing what I do, I learned that a lot of the things that we attribute to men were actually designed, created, invented by women and the idea was simply stolen from them. So that is why I give a voice to women because of things like that.
1: Yes, ma'am. That is, unfortunately, a lot of the trailblazers in our world who are women or women of color um, in particular are often just hidden, right? Um, Many of us have probably seen the movie Hidden Figures, um, and that's just such an important title because there are many figures um, and people that are leaders and involved in some of these great, you know, problem solving solutions that we're either looking to create or we've already created and we just don't know who those people are.
0: I am so excited about the opportunity to give the a voice, another voice. You've given a great voice to these women but to give another voice and to shine more light on these modern day superheroes or current day superheroes um, or heroines as they used to use uh, that word, uh, the gendered word. We don't use that anymore. We just say superheroes, but um, I do love this. This is like folks, you know, when you listen to my podcast, I don't always know the guests beforehand and I try not to research them too much because I like to be surprised on the show. Today, I am jaw-dropped. Erin, you're one remarkable woman. You deserve kudos and a voice and a light all your own. Let me ask you this. Um, Because I personally believe that women should lift one another up, what's something you recommend we do to help other women in business?
1: So I think the number one thing that we have to do is um, support other women businesses, which means being really conscious about where we spend our money and what businesses we support, right? There are numerous businesses out there that provide a service um, and finding those women-owned businesses and sharing with your contacts, with your friends, with your network, or just financially supporting them by buying their goods and services, I think are the number one way that we can kind of um, support each other. And I think the second thing is Business women like yourself, right, need to cultivate that network of like minded business women. Um, and instead of seeing us as competitors, seeing us as collaborators so that we can solve some of the world's biggest problems and make a difference.
0: I agree 100%, Erin Twomley. Let me ask you what has been your biggest challenge or setback, and how did you overcome that?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question. So I decided to actually um, formally start my business, which means, you know, going to that kind of LLC format and getting out of that sole proprietorship um, about when I was, I think, 30 weeks pregnant with my first daughter. So it was a little bit of a whirlwind challenge for me to say, hey, I'm going to have my first child and I'm going to start my business. But I think sometimes as women, we um, aim for perfection and we want to have all our ducks in a row um, before we do something. And I think um, the challenge for me was just saying, I'm going to do this and diving in head first. And I know that not everyone can do that or not everyone is comfortable doing that. Um, but opening or creating your own business is always a risk. And so it's just calculating what risks work well for you. And um, for me, it just happened to provide me with a little bit of time because I was going to take some maternity leave to be at home with my baby and launch my business, um, so that I could do that full time.
0: You are a wonder woman. You really are. So I'll say this: women do wait for perfection oftentimes. The the idea of analysis paralysis, or it's not perfect yet. So I always remind ourselves, myself included that good and done beats perfect and pending. So I'm glad you were risk tolerant mm-hmm. and you went forward and opened this business while pregnant. I understand you have a second um, baby now, a young baby. So congratulations for you know, both being a, ro- you know, a mom and having a robust business as well. Can you tell us something surprising about yourself that maybe your circle doesn't even know?
1: Oh, so surprising about myself um, would be that even though I write nonfiction, I spend quite a bit of time actually reading fiction books, um, which I think is kind of interesting, because nonfiction books tend to tell a factual story, right, and they don't always have the, um, or they don't need to have that imaginative kind of component. Um, but I find myself reading more fiction picture books with my children. Um, and I use those to kind of inspire and figure out how to tell the story in my nonfiction books. So I'll give you an example. I have a book called Renewable Energy, Discover the Fuel of the Future. So there's numerous kinds of renewable energy and how could I explain that to a kid And so the concept that um, we came up with for storytelling was the Renewable Energy Olympics. So imagine that solar, wind, geothermal, biofuels, they're all competing in Olympic type sport. Who would get the bronze medal? Who would get the gold medal? Who would get the silver medal? So what are the challenges and rewards for each of those types? of energy Um, and being able to kind of use um, imaginative and engaging um, storytelling components like that, I think helps to just bring that nonfiction to life.
0: I love that. I love that because it can be overwhelming to a degree, especially for young children, um, to take that first step in learning more about something so uh, broad as green energy or global climate change or what have you. So I love that you're putting it into bite-sized pieces in language they understand, and I think you're changing the world, Erin Twomley.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, the goal, right, is to engage our youngest generation because they are going to become, if they aren't already are, developing their own superpowers and becoming the next generation of STEM superheroes. So um, my latest book I think does it um, the best, it's my fifth book, and it's called Capturing Cow Farts and Burps. What kid doesn't love farts and burps? And it's all about methane gas, and it's all about the impact of that gas on our planet and how we can actually capture that methane, burn it, and turn it into electricity. So I feel like as writers, right, and you were saying, like, don't aim for perfection. It's taken me a while, but I think my fifth book, um, I've captured it in the title, what I'm trying to do with my storytelling and nonfiction.
0: I love it. You made me laugh so hard. So um, I have what I call the wild card questions. So I reach into a magic box of meaningful questions. Are you game to play?
1: I would love to. That sounds great.
0: All righty, I'm gonna pull a card from the box right now. All righty, this is a tough one, at least for me it would be. Um, What is a topic you have completely changed your mind about?
1: Ooh, this is a challenging one. What is a topic I've completely changed my mind about? So I think actually probably related to the topic of renewable energy and green energy, I think my understanding of nuclear energy has evolved. So nuclear energy is often seen as a renewable energy in in that it's infinite and we won't run out of it. But it does have some really hazardous environmental consequences when we try and, um, produce and use that nuclear energy and so I used to be really adamant about not really talking about nuclear energy with kids and even in our first climate change book we kind of avoided the topic and since then I've learned that avoiding the topic isn't a good solution Um, that it's better to kind of talk about what we call trade-offs or the pros and the cons the consequences of nuclear energy and that actually having an open dialogue with kids about nuclear energy is more fruitful um, than kind of ignoring it Um, even though personally it's probably not an energy type that i want to kind of endorse or you know encourage um, countries and systems to utilize
0: what a powerful answer and and look i know the wild card question gets people because sometimes they're easy sometimes they're not easy but they're always meaningful and your answer was remarkable i think we should take the tough subjects and talk about them but like you said it has to be in a way uh that you know first of all the pace at which we talk about it the content has to be in the language of the user the reader the buyer in this case the children And it has to be um, in an engaging way. It can't be overwhelming. Um, It's got to be just enough, but not too much. So, bravo to you on such a great answer to a very difficult question. Um, I have a really controversial, provocative topic. I think you should write a book about. We'll talk about this offline. I have people I would want to connect you with to write this book. Um, You are just incredible, Erin Twanley. I know that our relationship will continue after today's podcast
1: for certain yes I'm looking forward to it I mean I think one of the things I always get asked is you know why books and I think you brought up a good point is yes it's about storytelling for kids but most adults engage with their kids through reading right and so it's actually also a great way to educate parents or caregivers or to encourage those caregivers who maybe say, I'm not a science whiz, or I don't really like math, so I don't know how to encourage my kids. I always say, well, you can open up a book and explore science, technology, engineering, and math together with your kids um, because it's about learning and you get to learn with your kids by reading nonfiction STEM books.
0: That's remarkable. I think I've used that word 50 times in this one conversation. Um, If people want to know more about you and your books, how can they reach you, Erin?
1: Yeah, so the best way to do it is I have social media, right? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, which is Everyday STEM Superhero. And I also have a website, which is erinedu.org. And then that will tell you all the places and ways in which you can get my books. Um, I am supporting um, small bookstores, which you can find um, through bookshop.org, which is basically a new aggregator that aims to act like the Amazon of books. But when you search a title, they go to a local bookstore within your zip code and try and get you the book from that local bookstore um, instead of a larger warehouse. So bookshop.org is a great way if you're looking to support small bookstores, but want that large catalog of books.
0: You know, Erin, I have an idea for you. Uh, I have several. I I should be writing these down. Um, I'd love to have you on to maybe do um, a brief snippet or, you know, maybe we could video or record a brief snippet of you reading from your book and I'll share that, um, you know, in a future blog or we can add it to the current blog at a later date, whatever um, you think is, is meaningful. Because this is really powerful, and I think that even parents, if you're like Susan Freeman, you don't know STEM, so even parents don't know enough about STEM to uh, share meaningful information in the language of their children Mm -hmm. about, yeah, so Mm -hmm. you do that for us, and that is awesome.
1: Yes, and I would love to do that, to do a read aloud. I can do, you know, from a variety of of the books or we can pick one and focus in on it. Um, Capturing Cow Farts and Burps should be out this summer. So we could do like a preview sneak peek of of that book um, and share, you know, one or two illustrations um, to get people excited and thinking about that.
0: That's awesome. You know, we should connect you with the AGA. My husband used to be the COO of an energy company. um, So we know a lot of people in that industry. Um, It would be great to have a real superhero, Shiro, Aaron Twomley, uh, share your your great books with the world. So I'm excited to jump on the Aaron Twomley train and, you know, take that ride with you wherever you may go. So it's so great having you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank
1: you so much. I so appreciate that. And actually, I have a dream of writing a book featuring 26 women working in energy. So I think today's conversation might push us in that direction of writing about the women who are
0: in the energy field. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I have big plans. I have another podcast in mind that I'm creating. I'll be presenting to my own Advisory committee soon, and if they give me the go ahead and think it's a great idea, I'd love to have you back.
1: Okay, fantastic. I would love to be back. Thank you so much for taking the time um, and lending your network um, to business owners um, like myself.
0: All right, Erin. Well, thank you so much, and everybody, thank you for tuning in. This has been a really great show, and I'm glad that you get to hear Erin's voice, her ideas, her unique. Um, You're brilliant, Erin, first of all, thank you for that. Um, And just to share your story is meaningful. So thanks for tuning in everyone. And Erin, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you.